Well, today we have a nice treat. Our lay pastor, Caroline Park, is going to be sharing today. Is that the first time you've been introduced that way? <laughs> she, <laughs> she has a wonderful message to share, I know, because I've read it, and we're in for a re- real treat. So please join me in welcoming Caroline. Good morning. That was a fun little re- interaction between um, Sarah and John. And um, I've worked with John and Sarah for a long time. And John tends <laughs> Sarah is our optimist in the family, in the sta- on the staff, River family. And John likes to understate things. So... Last Friday, just two days ago, was a big day for our family. We um, moved our oldest daughter, Clara, into her college room. Yes. <laughs> so the whole family drove her and her stuff to her school. Um, we helped her set up the room, did our target run, um, uh, said goodbye, and left her there and drove away. It's interesting how many of you asked me for the last couple mo- couple months or so, um, are you going to cry? <laughs> so if you talk to me sep- uh, privately, I'll tell you if I did or not. I, I didn't know until the moment came. It certainly feels like the end of a season for our family and for me as a parent and the beginning of a new one. It's hard to believe that I now have a daughter who lives away from home, almost a grown-up. I don't know about other parents, but when I first had kids, the thought that I would have to parent them through teenage years and adulthood never occurred to me. Like, it's not something that I thought about. Like, I thought about taking care of babies, but, like, keeping them around until they grow older... It's a, it's a new reality I have to get used to almost like every day, especially now, now that I have two teenagers um, and one almost a teen. I'm constantly amazed how different it is to parent young children than to parent teens who are halfway to their adulthood. It's a wholly different mindset. And one is not easier than the other. When the kids were younger... It just required so much physical energy to chase them around all day and then uh, be there for them all the time. You have to be watching them at all times. Then there is always the lack of sleep. So some days just felt so long. And then occasionally a stranger or a family member will say to me to enjoy them while they're young because they grow up so fast. I'm sure the parents among you probably heard that advice, you know, at some point. Truthfully, I found the advice a little irritating (laughs) because it wasn't like I sat down and decided not to enjoy them. It was just that I was surviving and had very little room. Um, And ultimately, I found it counterproductive because the advice is meant to encourage the parents to slow down 
and enjoy, savor the moment. But in reality, it only made me feel like I was failing yet again. I was missing out on some amazing joy of parenting and that the window of opportunity to catch those moments was closing fast. It made me feel like I was racing against time, which did not help me to slow down and relax. It only made me more anxious. But this feeling of racing against time and anxiety, it's so prevalent in every area of modern life, it seems. Not just, the, not just in parenting, but work, relationships, health, uh, beauty. We're always wanting our youth. The window of opportunities for meeting someone, getting a promotion or a right education or finding the healthy lifestyle or whatever else it is, it is closing down fast. As someone said, time is a bully and we're captive to it. I learned recently that there are two Greek words for time. One is chronos and the other is kairos. So kairos means the right, critical, opportune moment in life. Whereas chronos denotes the passage of time the sequential time, the seasons. Kairos is a very important concept in the Bible. So, for example, when Jesus says in Mark 1, um, the time has come, the kingdom of God is here. The time here is Kairos. The God's moment, God's timing, it's here. We're familiar with this concept the phrase carpe diem, seize the day, has a very similar meaning to it. There's your moment, there's your opportunity, there's your chance at success at a big break, so don't waste it. Don't hesitate, don't be afraid, just grab it and it's yours. This mentality is deeply embedded in American culture, don't you think? Whereas chronos is ordinary time, like chronological time. I think of it as um, the time that flows with rhythms of life, of the earth, of the nature, the passing of seasons, the sun rising and setting, the ebbs and flows of the tide. There's something feminine and nurturing about this way of thinking about time. Because through these seasons, the nature grows and nurtures living things. Whereas the concept of seizing the day is about competing and conquering more, it's more masculine. And I'm beginning to wonder if our culture's approach and understanding of time isn't too focused on Kairos. It makes sense because... Our culture, American culture, has a big tendency to value the masculine over um, the feminine. It's more than just uh, the sexism or misogyny. It's something even deeper than that. We have a hard time seeing the feminine, feminine traits as strength. We have a hard time seeing gentleness or quietness or harmony 
as um, the more feminine values as strength or mark of leadership. But that comes with a cost, right? It almost feels like we're jumpy because we're constantly worried about missing the once-in-a-lifetime opportunities that might come at any moment. I think it's, it is ex exacerbated by how disconnected we are from the nature. I imagine in the past when people lived closer to the nature, they, um, maybe they appreciated um, and understood Kronos better, like a farmers or fishers or shepherds. Um, they were more in touch with the seasons and the rhythms of the earth, perhaps. But in modern societies, we've lost the sense of the seasons, absent flows of time. So we've lost the art of living the ordinary time and being grounded in it, while putting too much focus on seizing the day, thinking if we can just catch the right opportunities, everything will fall into its place. I mean, these days, the, uh, the news seems to be full of the stories of people who've jumped and caught the day, but completely unprepared for it. And soon enough, it all tumbles down and damages them and people around them. And that is not where we want to be. So then how are we to think about it all? How can we be prepared for Kairos moments in our lives without the anxieties and jumpiness? How can we learn to be grounded in the ordinary time without missing the true Kairos moments of our lives? There's a story in the Bible that Jesus told in the book of Matthew that seems to offer some insights. Let me read it for us. It's from Matthew 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the other replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. This is not one of uh, my favorite parables. Partly because the story is centered around the marriage custom that has misogynistic roots. 
But this is a parable, a story Jesus told to talk about deeper truths in life. It is a form of analogy. It isn't meant to be literal, nor is Jesus endorsing this aspect of the culture that he lived in by telling the story. So at first, it's a bit confusing, isn't it? Because why are the bridesmaids waiting for the groom with lamps? I didn't see that in weddings that I attended here. So back then, marriage consisted of two ceremonies, betrothal and wedding. These were two separate occasions with time interval in between. So at betrothal, the groom's father pays for the bride, hence misogynistic root, and the bride and the groom are considered legally married then. Then at some future date, the groom comes to the bride's house to take her home and begin their life together. So the story we read today is the part where um, the groom comes to the bride's house. In the beginning of the story, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven will be like. The kingdom of heaven is sometimes called the kingdom of God in the Bible. I think of it as a place where God reigns. God is the king, where, where heaven is. It's, when, it's where God's reality of love and justice is fulfilled. Where love surrounds everything and always wins. And where God's justice is already and always true. I don't think of the kingdom of heaven as what happens when we die only. I think of the kingdom of heaven as here, threatening to break into our life always. And we want heaven to break into, leak into our life as much as possible. And the moment when it happens, when heaven and earth meet briefly in our life, is when our life and hearts are expanded and we are in small degrees transformed. Those are the Kairos moments, God moments that we all want to enter into, right? And that is what this parable is about. In the story, the Kairos moment of the kingdom of heaven breaking into our lives is compared to the wedding feast. At God's timing, the gate opens and we can walk in. In contrast, the story also describes a different kind of time, Kronos time. The ten bridesmaids need to wait for a while for the groom to arrive. This time of waiting doesn't have the sparkling quality of the Kairos time. It is the ordinary time. So some consider the ordinary time unimportant, but whether these bridesmaids enter into the feast or not is decided by how they spent this ordinary time doing the ordinary tasks, by how well they took care of of their lamps, how well they prepare their oil, 
and such. Jesus' parable seems to say that we, if we stay present and attentive to our ordinary tasks of the ordinary time, we will not miss out when the special moments arrive. Often the commentaries of uh, the say, say the stories about being vigilant, not slacking off and always being watchful for the moment. But that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because they all fell asleep in the story. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. That's the moment when you read and then say, think, uh-oh. No one was awake, but then they were woken up when the time came. They were roused by someone shouting, he's here. This tells me that we don't need to be afraid of missing the once-in-a-lifetime chance, everyone. We will know. It, we also don't need to regret the opportunities that we might have missed in the past. When the moment comes, we will be woken up. God will catch our attention. We do not need to stay awake all night and all day. Can we let that sink in a little bit? Because this is our faith, the trust in God's goodness in our life. And trust in God's good and able intention to guide and grow us through different seasons. We don't need to be afraid and anxious so much because God is growing and guiding us through time. Recently, I listened to um, this podcast, uh, one of my favorites, On Being. Um, and there was an interview with an Irish poet and priest, John O'Donohue. I think he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but he says something very interesting in the interview. Um, he says the way we think of time maybe, uh, maybe is affecting the way we live it. So instead of thinking of time as a bully that keeps us captive and controls us, perhaps we can think of time as the mother or the parent of presence. I recommend the whole interview if you're interested. It's on your program in the um, resource section. You can see the title. But I was quite struck by this idea, like deep and so calming. Time guiding and growing us, always on our side. In this culture where it feels like we're always fighting time, it's a, such a refreshing uh, perspective. And this way of approaching time, it uh, encompasses both special and ordinary times. Time is like a parent who provides us with routines and rhythms, nurtures us and grows us, strengthens us and heals us. These things, we just need to sometimes live through time. And... Also, like a parent, 
time teaches us and trains us to recognize special moments, when to seize the day, when to let go. Time is growing and preparing for us, preparing us for God moments here and now, always. We sometimes feel that there is a separate skill we need to acquire to spot good opportunities and seize them. I think there are seminars for this. But I think that's the illusion we created for ourselves. Living fully here and now teaches us to seize the day. I love um, snorkeling. I love spending time floating and watching interesting sea creatures. Um, find it so relaxing. Um, and I am awed every time I see something unusual, something interesting. I have this whenever I have encounter with uh, some amazing sea creature. My favorite is um, an eagle ray. When like creature that size swims by you. Um, it's just awe-inducing. And these are the moments when I feel really, really close to God. It feels like a Kairos moment to me. So when we go to this beach in Mexico, I spend hours a day snorkeling. And Charles, my husband Charles, who's there with me on uh, Mexican beach, he snorkels too. But let me tell you, I see just so much more cool stuff than he does. Um, and I like to think it's because God loves me more. But it really is the sheer amount of time I spend snorkeling. It's just so much more than Charles. When I am used to the water... I can almost anticipate the mood, um, depending on the time of the day. Um, fish sometimes do this thing. When it's later in the day, their mood is different, depending on the light. Um, sorry, my uh, daughter in the college is texting me. Um, so when I spend that much time in the water, I'm just better at spotting things. I recognize the movements better. I'm just more available to have these type of encounters. And I think life's opportunities uh, work this way too. It is by living to the full in our ordinary time, being present to people we love, being honest to the world around us, Staying connected to the loving and trustworthy God, we prepare ourselves for Kairos moments. It is by doing the honest labor of tending and growing the garden of our life. We're able to enter the feast of heaven. Sometimes we experience this feast as little moments of connection and love in our daily lives. Sometimes we experience it as callings to step out and do something extraordinary. Either way, 
they come to us when we're grounded by, grounded in love and time, here and now. When I had young children, I remember feeling like my life was put on hold for a while. It's exhausting, chasing after the kids all day, and it feels like you're doing the same thing over and over again, day after day. Doesn't feel like you're getting anywhere. There isn't much sense of achievement. So it feels like you're stuck there. During that time, I remember talking to God about my frustration and God responding, you have everything you need to to grow right where you are. You have everything you need to grow right where you are right now. You can't see it, but you are growing. And looking back, it's really true that I grew during that time. It was calming and empowering at the same time to recognize the season I was in and what the season was about and what it required of me. The seasons are changing again. For me, definitely true. With one less kid at home. But for all of us, summer is almost over, I'm sorry to say. This is the last weekend of August. So I thought it might be a good time for us to reflect on the season that we're in and the season that's coming our way and how we might approach it. So usually we do practical suggestions at the end of the sermon as a way to um, actually put into practice what we've heard on the morning, in the morning. So, but in lieu of that, we, I've prepared some questions for us to think and talk to God about today. There is a handout with the questions and the chipboards to write on helpfully. There are three groups of questions on the handout, and I'll walk us through one by one. So the first one is about tuning into the season we are in. Because sometimes we are not even aware of the kind of season we're in. And it's not easy to um, respond well if we're not aware of it. And we, when we understand the season we're in, it just helps us to respond to it better and we're less frustrated and anxious. So there are three questions to help you, hopefully, to kind of recognize the time you're in, uh, the season you're in right now. And so in, in what area of my life do I feel like I'm racing against time? Or in what area of my life do I feel room to enjoy? And then talk to God about chat with God about or um, just reflect on yourself. What's the season of life um, I might be in right now? So I'll give ourselves two minutes to think about those questions. So the second group of questions is time as our um, parent and guide 
We talked about thinking of time as our parent today, nurturing and guiding us, who's always on our side. Instead of something that we struggle against. So if we were to really believe that, how would we feel differently about the season we're in? And how might we act differently? The third group of questions is similar to the second, a little different angle. I mentioned briefly earlier that um, how, uh, how that our culture, American culture, tends to overvalue, overvalue the masculine and undervalue the feminine, and we're all paying the cost for it. So what if we think of living in more feminine language and metaphors? Maybe that will put us in a different um, sort of mindset. So instead of thinking about seizing the day, we can think of growing the garden for harvest. Harvest is another kairos moment in life. And how would that change the way we feel about life and the season we're in? And how would you act differently? Give us two minutes. So I hope that was helpful to take a little time to think about the new season. And hopefully, if you need more time, you could um, continue the reflection. Um, but um, um, let me wrap up here. As we wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about what's also um, our upcoming season for the church as well. I talked a lot about ordinary time today. But I didn't come up with the term. Um, I borrowed it from the church calendar. John mentioned a little bit um, briefly earlier. Ordinary time is the time between the special holidays and feasts and when things are ordinary. But this word ordinary has become my new favorite word. Um, I'm really appreciating the richness and depth of the ordinary time, ordinary people, ordinary love. Um, so in September, our new series will be called The Power of the Holy Spirit in Ordinary Time. When we think about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, we often think of miracles and traumatic healings and deliverance, more the masculine side of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is for all times, special and ordinary times so we can uh, so we will talk about being in touch with the holy spirit guiding and nurturing us during our ordinary days doing ordinary things um, so the series will start on sunday uh, september 9th the river kids and river youth will start talking about the same topic on the same day and for those of you who are curious about this church calendar we keep talking about and the old wisdom of seasons. Uh, we will also share that. Uh, we will share that this coming next week, uh, Sunday, September 2nd, which is the Labor Day weekend, at our brunch church. So if you are in town, please drop by. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you that you are 
um, our parent, that you are gentle and kind and nurturing, that you protect us and strengthen us heal and heal us. I pray that as we reflect on the seasons that we're in, as we reflect on the past um, passing seasons, as well as the um, season that's coming our way, I pray that you would be present and you would be close to us, that we would feel your presence um, guiding us and nurturing us and keeping our company and being our friend. That this season, as we walk in, that we will not feel alone or anxious, but knowing that we have our good parent um, journeying and traveling with us. So I just pray for that sense of peace and trust in Jesus' name. Amen.